You're listening to audio from Risen Life Fellowship. If you'd like to learn more about our church or donate to this ministry, please visit risenlifefellowship.com. Well, it's so awesome just seeing, you know, years of of God working in you, and I don't know where Megan went, but... um, (laughs) I'll look up and she's gone. Um, but years of God working in you too and seeing it, you know, the fruit that's coming from that and the fruit that will come. So, you know, I'm so excited to see what God does in your all's lives through all that. Um, so, this morning, uh, well, anytime I preach, I like to, to start off with, with questions for you guys. I like to uh, make sure you guys are engaged, you're awake. So I'm going to throw you guys just, a, just an easy one. Um, do, we, do you all know, sorry, I'm trying to adjust this. Someone short was here last time. Um, do you guys know, is everyone aware of who Tom Brady is? Yeah? Eh, kind of. Well, just to make sure there's some clarity in the room, Tom Brady is the second greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL. Of course, of, of course, second behind Peyton Manning. Hey, hey, hey. I, I pray for you guys often. Um, so anyways, in 05, Tom Brady uh, sat down to do an interview with, nine, or with 60 Minutes. Um, and at the time, uh, New England, uh, the Patriots, they had just won their third Super Bowl in five years, uh, coming off of that victory. Um, Peyton, or uh, sorry, I've got Peyton Manning because he's the best on my mind. Anyways, um, Tom Brady uh, had just won his second uh, Super Bowl MVP. The guy's making nearly $11 million a year. Uh, he's dating an actress at the time. And... Steve Croft, who is, who is doing um, this interview, sits down and asks him, he says, you know, you've got all this going on in your life, you know, what would be considered, you know, from the world's criteria, success? He says, so with all that you've experienced, what have you learned about yourself and what kind of effect has it had on you? And so... Brady goes on for a few minutes talking about the stresses of, of what he does, the, how tough it is to play um, football at that professional level. But then he comes out and he says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I've reached my goal, my dream, my life. And I think there's got to be more than this. This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I'm 27. What else is there for me? Steve Croft responds. He says, well, what's the answer? And Brady goes, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Fast forward to today. Brady's now got seven Super Bowl rings. He's got more MVPs more money, he's now got, he's married to a a supermodel, got three kids, and 
at the end of this past football season, he announces that he's going to retire from football. He says, you know, the reason I want to retire is I want to spend more time with my family. I haven't got to do that. I've been so consumed with football, so I want to finally get that opportunity to spend time with my family. He does that just for a few short weeks, months, and says, you know what? I'm coming back. Football, here we go. And then when they asked him, why are you, you know, you just went to retirement and you're right back. And he says, I just wasn't satisfied with being done with football. See, Brady has lived his whole life, you know, chasing pleasures in this, in this world and, and, and trying to find purpose in this. He's experienced these pleasures to the max. He's made all the money that anyone of us could have ever imagined. He's lived this glorified life of being just this awesome football player going to go down in the Hall of Fame. You know, anything that he could want, he's achieved. But I guarantee if you asked him that same question from the interview back in 05, if you asked him today, what else is there out there? He'll say, I don't know. I wish I knew. Brady's life here is is a great example, a great image for us of what we all experience in our life. And that's this pursuit, this chase of there's got to be something out there that if I can just get to that point, then I'll be satisfied. If I can just get my life to this place where I'm here, then I'm good. If I can just land that job, get that promotion, have that spouse the house, the kids, if I can just somehow survive and get to retirement, then I'll be satisfied. But what we see from Brady's life, and what we could probably look at our own lives and see, is that when we get there, it's not, it's not, it's not enough. We're, we're always looking for more purpose because what we thought was going to satisfy never quenches that thirst. This morning, we'll be continuing our study here in Ecclesiastes, and we've, and we've subtitled this study, The Pursuit of Purpose. Now, as we can see on this graphic that we have behind me, you know, we had this hiker, and we said that this hiker is, is taking up us up all these different hills and searching out what, what the views from the hill are, and that's like this experiment that Solomon has us on here with Ecclesiastes, and he's, he's going up all these different hills, and he's ch- chasing something, looking for something out there. You know, last week, David uh, took us up that, that first hill of this experiment that, that Solomon has us on, and we talked about uh, the pursuit of knowledge. And we said the knowledge under the sun. And when we say under the sun, what we're referring to here in this study, what uh, Solomon's referring to is simply just apart from God. So a knowledge apart from God. We talked about earthly, worldly wisdom. That, that knowledge apart from God only leads to a clearer view of a life in this world that is marred by sin. And ultimately we said that this, that this knowledge this earthly knowledge is, is meaningless. It's, it's hevel, is what we said. 
So Solomon's going to take us up this next hill today, and, and we're going to be looking at earthly pleasures. So if you haven't already, turn with me to Ecclesiastes 2. And when you get there, stand with me. If you don't have a Bible this morning, it's going to be on the screen behind me. But starting in verse 1, it says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it, was, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly. So I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks. I planted in them all kinds of fruits. I made pools for myself from which the water of the forest of growing trees, or from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had ever been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and providences. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended doing it. And behold, all was vanity and the striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for this place where we could come together as a church family to, to worship you, Lord, to dig into your word. Father, I pray that as we read these words of Solomon this morning, Lord, that you highlight in our hearts anywhere where we are pursuing that, that purpose and just pleasures here on earth, Lord. Father, I pray that you, know, you speak through me this morning, Lord, that it's not about the words I have to say, but Lord, it's about you um, and that you get glory in all that we do. Father, we love you. We praise in your name. Amen. So before we jump into new material this morning, let's make sure that we fully remember the context of, of what we're talking about here. Lastly, like I said, David taught on the, on the vanity of wisdom and what Sol Solomon had to say could really be summed up in and two verses here. The first is going to be here in chapter 1, verse 15. He says, What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. Basically what Solomon was saying here 
is that he has seen all that there is under the sun and that the problem of sin cannot be straightened out. Solomon searches earthly wisdom and all the things, and all that brings him is here in verse 18 where he, he concludes chapter 1. He says, that increased knowledge is increased sorrow. And that brings us to our first point here this morning. Solomon tries to pursue pleasure for the purpose of distraction. In verse 1, Solomon says, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. This come now, I will test you with pleasure is him, him saying this pursuit of wisdom, it, it didn't do anything. It, it didn't get me there. It didn't work. So let's, let's try something else. So on this journey, he starts taking up this this hill this climb if you will of the pursuit of pleasure and the first stop he makes here is in verse 2 when he says I tried laughter this Hebrew word that he uses here for laughter is sahok it's spelled s-e-c-h-o-q sahok and it's not really what we would think of when we think of laughter we think of laughter as a, a joyous thing something that we can be happy about. We're we're happy usually when we're laughing. But the way that this this sahok is translated really means more of a a laughing stock, a mockery, hollow. So what he's saying here is I've tried to go through life as if it's just a game. I tried to act as if it's just some simulation. It's just meaningless. And I could just kind of lightheartedly go through life and just say, it doesn't really matter. You know, when, it, when we talk to people about the gospel, and, and specifically ones who are just so apathetic toward the gospel, that's kind of the, the, the mentality that a lot of people are at. A lot of people in our culture is just, you know, I'm just not going to deal with that. I'm going to do my thing. And if consequences come, they'll come. Whatever. But I don't, I'm just going to pretend like it doesn't. I'm just going to pretend like what's in front of me is all that matters. And that's, that's how I'm going to function in life. But Solomon says, at the end of it all, he judged it to be madness. It just didn't make sense. He tried to say that. He tried to just go through life and say, I'm just going to live my life how I want. And he realized, crazy. So next, Solomon tries a different distraction. He tries wine. He says in verse 3, it says, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom. That last part, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, that indicates that Solomon wasn't, trying wine to the extent that he was indulging himself excessively, that he lost his ability to think. Rather, it's more of a, he wanted to take the edge off. He just wanted to kind of, you know, all this sorrow that he was feeling and having to deal with, he's like, I just, just kind of want to numb that. 
know, I think Solomon shows us here an example of what really many of us do. All of us do, if you will. When faced with the reality of the mess we've created, we would rather try to sweep it under the rug and say, no, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I don't even want to think about that. We try to just go through life in that way. You know, you don't have to answer this, but, you know, how many times have we had that hard day and we're like, you know what, I just need that glass of wine. I just need to kind of shake off the mess of the day. Or maybe, maybe wine isn't that thing for you. Maybe something that hits a little closer to home is maybe Netflix. Got a few smiles there. I think that one maybe hit. But when we're like, you know, it's been a rough day. I want to just silence the world. Let me watch like four or five episodes of Stranger Things. Let me just hope the world can just disappear for a moment. And there's a plethora of distractions that we could throw out there. We could try to hide ourselves in social media. We could try to, you know, just get so consumed with our kids. We can do all these things to just distract ourselves from the mess that we have to deal with. But the problem is, is that those distractions don't solve the problem. All they do is just, we turn our back to it for a little bit and hope it disappears. But when we come back around, it's still there. And what's more is, sometimes when we come back to it, that problem's even worse because we didn't want to have to deal with it the first time around. We aren't able to simply just ignore the consequences of our sin and just hope it goes away. Romans 14, 12 says this. It says, so then each of us will give an account for himself to God. One day each of us will stand before God. And the Bible's very clear on that one. It doesn't give this clause of, you'll stand before God unless couple of these things fit you or you'll stand before God unless you know you just didn't feel like you wanted to deal with that in life then you're okay you get this past no it says we will stand before God we'll have to give that account so going through life you know ignoring our sin pretending that it doesn't matter doesn't exempt us from the consequences of our sin so Solomon moves on from trying to distract himself to trying to find purpose another way. He tries to use pleasure for the purpose of satisfaction. And that's our second point this morning, purpose for the pleasure of satisfaction. Starting in verse 4, Solomon really gives us this laundry list of of things that he tried to, to do, try to say that if I can just get there, if I can just get to that point, then I'll be satisfied. He starts off by saying here in verse 4, I made great works. I built houses, planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them in them all kinds of fruit. I made myself pools from which water, which to water the forest of growing trees. Now to truly understand what Solomon is, is talking about, and to what extent he pursued all these uh, pleasures, we have to kind of get the, the context of, of how he did it. So 
in 1 Kings 7, verses 1 through 12. You don't have to turn there. But it details for us just the palace that, that Solomon built. He said he's built houses. This is just one that we're looking at specifically here. This was Solomon's palace. This thing took 13 years to build. I don't know if they had a COVID delay, if building materials were bad. 13 years to build this thing. When you add up all the dimensions, and, then, and of course convert it over to measurements that we actually understand, feet, I don't know really cubits, I don't know if you guys understand cubits very much, but feet, it was approximately 175,000 square feet. Just to kind of help us conceptualize what even that would look like, we're talking about the ballpark of Biltmore Estates here. That is approximately the size of Solomon's palace. He says, I created vineyards, gardens, parks. I made pools for myself. These pools that he's talking about here, they're not just some splash pad for the kids to cool off in during the summer. It's not some slip and slide that runs down the backyard. These pools, there were three of them, and they were massive. These things still exist today. Of course, not in the same beauty they were back then, but you could still go and see these things today. Um, they hold 450,000 cubic feet of water. It's like you and I can sit here and say, I have built my Sims tycoon. I've played my Farmville. Solomon's like, I built Biltmore. He has chased this sense of accomplishment to the fullest. You know, today we chase that feeling of satisfaction, that, that's, that satisfaction from uh, accomplishment. You know, we try to, to build things up for ourselves, and that way we can step back and say, wow, look what I did. I painted that wall. It used to be ugly, now it's pretty. Or, or we try to say, you know, I built this, this big social media following, look at me. Or whatever that accomplishment may be, we try to chase that and say, look what I have done. We strive for fame and success. And whenever that social media post, whenever that sense of accomplishment from that project we did has run its course, we're left saying, I need more. I painted that wall. Now, I can, now it's time to go Joanna Gaines the kitchen. We say, I, I, that social media post, look at all the followers I got from it, or look at all the likes I got from it. I need more. I need more of that feeling because it doesn't satisfy. It leaves us looking for something new to fill us. And like we said earlier when we first started Ecclesiastes, this is such a fun series. I hope you guys are having so much fun right now. So on to the next. In verse 7, Solomon says, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. 
Once again, just to kind of get an idea of what we're talking about here, 1 Kings 5.13 tells us that Solomon had 30,000 men who worked for him. Eastman, you know, the, the, the small city inside of Kingsport over there, employs 10,000 people. Solomon, one man, had three, three Eastmans working for him in his house. He didn't have to lift a finger if he didn't want to. You know, in life, we work so hard to get to this position of leadership, a position where we have, we're like, we're having some power. I'm going to make some change. I'm going to do something. And we work so hard to get there, and Solomon is saying, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, got the world's best boss mug. And he says, and there's no meaning to be found in this. You know, we work our whole lives to get to the top. We say, I'm going to be somebody. When I leave this company, they're going to know who I was. As soon as we turn in that resignation, as soon as we say, it's time for me to retire, that employer, they're posting that job on Indeed, looking for someone else to replace you. Trying to find purpose in the leadership is a fruitless endeavor. I can feel the mood just slowly dropping. All right, so let's continue. So he goes on, he says, I also have great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who have been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and providences. See, Solomon's wealth is, is one of those things that's well-known. You know, and it's not just well-known among churches. It, it's, it's a well-known among just historians, people who are in the secular realm, too. And I looked at, you know, several uh, secular sources just to, just to get an idea of what are we even looking at as far as Solomon's wealth. You know, he is the, the richest man to ever live. He's exceeded Elon Musk. Saw Tiger Woods just became a, a, the, another billionaire. He exceeded that guy too. So what a kind of wealth does Solomon have? Well, if you get it to today's dollars, his net worth would be roughly $2.2 trillion. That was with a T. Trillion dollars would be his net worth. He would receive $40 billion worth of gold each year. As for his flocks, his herds, 1 Chronicles uh, 7, 5 tells us that just once Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. If you're looking for financial stability in this life, you couldn't get more financially stable than Solomon. If you look for wealth to do it for you, no one has had more wealth in this life than Solomon. 
We think that if we just work hard, get to this point where I've got X amount of dollars, or I'm, I'm got so much saved up, I'm making this amount of money each year, then I can breathe, then I can be satisfied. But the problem with that is we get to that mark, and we just keep going. It's not enough. It doesn't satisfy. It's this hamster wheel when we're pursuing these things. Solomon says once again that this pursuit will ultimately come up empty. Solomon says he has singers, both men and women. Does anyone like concerts in here? Do you like going to concerts? Yeah. Oh, you like concerts? (laughs) Yeah, they're fun. They're enjoying. Solomon's like, you've been to Bonnaroo. I've got Usher and Ed Sheeran sitting in the corner. You know, people go through life trying to chase these experiences because they're going to just hopefully get some, some satisfaction from it. You know, I've met so many people uh, who, as soon as they get back from a vacation, they're like, man, this was so awesome. I loved it. Greece was amazing. I'm like, cool. They're like, but now I can't wait to get to this other place. I've got to get to Hawaii. I've got to go to Australia. I've got to go do all these different things. Or I've seen this band. I'm like, man, that sounds like it was an awesome concert. But I want to go to this other one too. Because ultimately what happens is these experiences, they're so cool and we take videos of them. But they just never satisfy constantly leave us looking for the next thing. Experiences under the sun are never going to be enough. That brings us to our last item here on on this laundry list of things that Solomon has been talking about. He tells us that he had many concubines. In 1 Kings 11.3, it tells us that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. For those of you who don't know what a concubine is, I heard a pastor put it this way one time. It's basically a wife that you don't have to buy an anniversary gift for. Solomon was able to experience the the pleasure of, of intimacy to the fullest extent. You know, from, the, from a worldly standpoint, this is probably the pleasure that, you know, or what we, 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 we seek after the most. We, we put this as the pinnacle of pleasure in our minds. Seeing in any fantasy that you could ever think of, Solomon had that available to him. And he says, it was empty. Solomon goes on to say in in verse 10, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. He's telling us here that he's tried accomplishments, power, wealth, entertainment, intimacy. And yes, 
there was enjoyment there. But nothing that lasts. Solomon resolves this section by saying, there's nothing to be gained under the sun. See, we can spend our whole lives running after these things, trying to make us feel good. We can say, if I can just get there, if I can just reach that finish line, then I'll be happy. I'll find meaning. But what we've seen from Solomon's life, what we've seen from Tom Brady's life, what we've seen probably from our own lives, is that chasing these pleasures under the sun are heavy. They're meaningless. They're like grasping after smoke just to open up your hands and realize there's nothing there. So we've discussed at length this morning how pleasures apart from God doesn't provide us with any purpose. There's, there's no purpose to be found apart from God in these. But can we find, I guess that leaves us with a question of, can we find purpose and pleasure not apart from God, so with God? So let's flip over to John for that. I know we just spent two years in John. We're supposed to be done with it. We promised you guys we were moving on. We're going back. You'll be alright. So here in John 4, just to get you guys up to speed on what's happening, Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. In order to get there, he goes through Samaria and stops at a well in Sychar. So that's where we're picking up. We're going to pick up in verse 7 says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samarian woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a, ask a, for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For, for Jews have no dealings with Samarians. Jesus answered her, If you knew the, God, the gift of God and who, is, who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you go to get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water dwelling up to eternal life. So when the Sumerian woman asks Jesus for a drink, and, and those, he says here in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who is asking, you would have asked for a living water. Then down in verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water speaking of the well water, will be thirsty again, 
But whoever drinks of the water that I give him, the living water, will never be thirsty. When Jesus is talking about the living water here, he's talking about himself. See, once you have experienced, or once you have surrendered life to Christ, living to glorify him, then and only then do we find true satisfaction, true purpose. This is what Solomon was missing back in Ecclesiastes. He searched all these pleasures under the sun, apart from God, and they left him thirsty for more. We don't have to keep chasing pleasures in this life. As Christians, we don't have to keep chasing these unfulfilling pleasures because as a Christian, we know the author and the creator of these pleasures. I'm going to call the, have the band come back up. And as we're coming, as they're coming back up, I ask, are you chasing this morning? Are you in this place where you are searching after something that just is never fulfilling? We keep looking for more because it's just not satisfying. We keep hoping that if we can just get to that point in life, then maybe it'd be enough. And if that's the case, if that's you, if you can look at your life this morning and say, man, I am chasing. I ask you, how's that going for you? You know, when we, we look for our jobs to, to give us meaning, to give us purpose. And we say, Man, I don't know if y'all even enjoy my job. We look for all these different things, and we're like, it's unfulfilling. It leaves us thirsty for more. So this morning, if you're on that hamster wheel and you're saying that man I'm looking for something and here's your exit here's your time to say I found that thing that brings satisfaction it's that living water Jesus in him pleasure makes sense pleasure is fulfilling And if you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, if you've not surrendered your life to Him, then I ask, don't leave here this morning without doing that, without jumping off that hamster wheel. Don't leave here today and say, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep just pursuing. You don't know what's going on in my life. I can figure this out. You don't know me. Solomon was and is the wisest man to live. And he's giving us this wisdom that I've already searched there. 
I've already checked these places, and they just don't cut it. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, you know, I'm so tired from running after these things that bring no fulfillment. Can I ask you, surrender your life to Christ today. Let him give you purpose. Let him give you meaning. If you're at that place this morning and you're saying, you know, I don't know this Jesus guy, but I want to. Scripture says it's easy. At least. It says that we say that Jesus, you are actually Lord over my life. I'm laying my life down for you. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my life has been lived for me and that you died on that cross so that I can be in relationship with you. If you're at this place this morning where you say, I want that. Then there's nothing special. There's no special words you can say. There's nothing magical that can be done other than the surrendering of your heart to him. But just to help you put that into words, just say something like this. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for making my life about me, for chasing these pleasures in life. Lord, they are so empty. Lord, I want to lay my life down for you. Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to be my joy. You to be my purpose. You to be my treasure. Lord, forgive me. that's you here this morning if if you prayed something like that I just simply want to know how I can be praying for you this week how I can be encouraging you and so if you prayed something like that I just ask that just quickly just slip your hand up so I can know who I'm praying for this week I pray that by that testimony that you guys, and I'm talking to Christians here, 
And maybe you're at this place, Christian, where you've been finding your, yourself slipping back to this place of wanting to chase these different pleasures of your life. You haven't lost your salvation, but you've maybe been distracted by getting to that next place in life. And so we're just going to have this time of prayer where just ask that you surrender that to God and say, God, I'm sorry for Letting these worldly things distract me. I'm going to turn over to the band here in a minute. They're going to lead us in a song. But if you are still praying, pray. I'm going to be up here up front. If you want to pray with somebody, Josh, he's in the back. If you just want to grab the person next to you. Let's spend this time...